Hello, and welcome to Ladies First, your one-stop shop for all your femslash podcast needs. My name is Elizabeth, and this week I'm joined by Corey. Hello. Okay, so last time we talked about why queer women are so bad at dating. And so this week, since I'm actually in pretty good mood, I would actually like to talk about something a little bit more cheerful. And so we're going to talk about Sanvers this week. Yay! Yay! I mean, yeah. we are really bad at dating, though, but when you look at it, <laughs> you look at the cause. Yes. Yeah. Actually, uh, I, yeah, we just have precious few good examples of a, of a good, healthy relationship between two women on television. So... Uh, Sanders is actually going to be probably one of the exceptions I can think of, especially recently. Um, I don't know. Well, I don't know. We've been getting more variety in TV shows lately, which is a good thing. But I still feel a lot of the queer relationships sort of sit on the edge of angsty. And I actually don't care for angst all that much. I don't care for angst. I like some drama, but I don't like the... That almost kind of relentless, every time something goes right, they just can never be happy type of thing. <laughs> yes. And it's like a yo-yo, on, off, on, off. Now, I mean, I do like some drama. Like, The Bold Type, I know you haven't watched that yet. I actually really like The Bold Type. And there's a relationship on there that's very hot right now between Kat and Adina. They call it Kadina. Such a and it's got name. Yeah, they've got some... <laughs> Hey, it could be worse. I mean, the worst ship name of all time, what was it? Cat piss? Or, no, penis from... That's not Katniss actually... That's not actually what the ship is called. <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> well, close enough. I mean, what are you going to call it? Anyways, my p- point being is, you know, there's some drama to it, but they still have that levity. Yes, it's very grounded in reality. And, I mean, I like that I think we're starting to maybe finally see a trend with that. But, I mean, Sanford's obviously was one of the first bigger examples of not everything has to be doom and gloom. Yeah. Yeah, I think my fa- one of my favorite things about Sanford's is that all of the relationship problems that they overcome are almost self-contained to the relationship. But also that they are... They're things that can be overcome and should logically be overcome. So you're rooting for the heroes to overcome their relationship drama because both of them are still in the right. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it doesn't read like a te- like a telenovela. No, and like, and that can be done well. I mean, that's it essentially. Can be. I mean, th- I mean, that's there what are Winona very Earp good is relationships. Now. <laughs> well, yes, this with is way true. hot. <laughs> But it doesn't read like one of them just very blatantly fucks up. And in your mind, you're just like, go back to her. Like, I know there have been relationships we've seen in the past that have been canon that I'm just thinking, like, this isn't healthy. No, don't go back to her. I know, right? Find somebody else. But like with Sanders, they're both mature, you know, as mature as Alex can be, adults. And they work through their stuff like adults. And I like seeing that because, you know, when you're our age, and I say our age like I'm not four years older than you. 
We are close. We are at the age where it doesn't really matter. Like anything over about twenty six to twenty seven, like the early the the late twenties to early thirties is one demographic. Right, but I'm, I, and I like the bold type because they're mid to late twenties as a relationship. I like Sanvers because it fits in that demographic relationship. I think Way Hot may skew a little bit younger, but I like something that I can relate to because I'm not married with kids. Mm-hmm. And I know, um, oh, that show on Freeform, The Fosters. It's a great show. It's I can't relate to it as well because I'm not that age and I'm not married with kids. And it's not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just that's not my life. Yeah. It's still but enjoyable am, content, but, you know, it's, yeah. it's not personal. But, you know, I am also very far removed from high school and college. <laughs> You and were one of those people just... who didn't enjoy high school when you were in it, weren't you? I actually greatly enjoyed my high school experience. Really? Oh. But I also know I was an unbearable little twit. <laughs> and I know in college I was unbearable. And I look back and I'm like, I, I don't have the energy for this younger stuff. <laughs> I am too old for this, but I'm too young for this. And it's... <clears throat> It's nice, and I know we talked about it last year on Ladies First, that it was nice that there was a ship kind of finally with Sanvers. Yeah. That was about in our demographic range. Yeah. It was such a novelty at the time. It still is, kind of, although hopefully we'll be getting some new ones this upcoming TV season. I will gladly take it not being a novelty anymore, but I appreciate that it's one of the first. I appreciate that millennial queer people is now a TV demographic that can be specifically marketed to and cater to. Older and millennial. Yeah. No, I don't because, know. I mean, like, there, there was still younger and millennial stuff. I mean, look like with Glee, they had Santana and then you had. Yeah, but that's like my, that's about my age though. Like, and even then I'm a little old for that. Right, but, I, but you I was have, graduated the for the year the show premiered. I had already graduated high school. You had that. You had faking it. Yeah, there faking was some it's... other stuff that I obviously didn't watch because I felt <laughs> weird watching it because they were supposed to be minors. That's yeah, that's true. That's very true. But I mean, with Sanvers, it was really kind of there, there's not a lot in between, or at least there wasn't until Sanvers. So I like them if for nothing else. And it's like, oh, okay, I can feel comfortable watching you <laughs> because you're an appropriate age. But I can also kind of relate to you in that, you know, you don't have kids. And, you know, you don't have an established older kid family whole dynamic thing going on. You know, you're two youngish women who are doing well in your careers and making your own decisions, and you're responsible enough to be in a relationship that I'm not constantly exhausted trying to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I have lots of feelings about angsty young relationships, <laughs> apparently. I think I think the problem, I think, Corey, you and I both have this issue, is that we both lived it, and so, uh, oh, you know, goodness. yeah, we both kind of When you live it, and you come out the other side, all, like... Once you've uh, done it and you real and you just you're like, man, this ain't shit. Someday I'm this, gonna write a book about it, but that's this it. Is I never shit. want to do it again. I never ever yeah. want to go through that experience again. 
that kind of push and pull, epic dramatic relationship. It's exhausting. You're going to come out the other end with a nervous breakdown and completely burnt out. And once you've gone through that kind of rite of passage, you don't really want to see it again. <laughs> I was I was 20 when that happened. I can't imagine. Go. Who has the time? Who has the energy? Like I can't imagine having a romance like that now. Almost 30. I spent like. Five years between two relationships and that kind of like super dramatic yep. setup. <laughs> and I'm just like, it almost killed me at the time. I don't, I don't even want to think about entertaining that idea again. It's yeah. just like, it's like flashbacks. Yeah. And even like, and even the bold type is a little bit much for me. Although I have, I have a good excuse for the bold type and that's because yeah. my life. My last relationship ended because of extreme distance that we lived a court, you know, halfway across the globe from each other. So I feel like I would I would love to get into this show, and I'm sure I will in like a year or two. But like right now, I feel like that wound's still a little bit fresh. Well, I mean that's understandable. <laughs> I don't have that problem, but I still so, say you should support the show. Yeah, you should absolutely support the show. I mean, not just for the Kadena ship. I mean, there's a lot of really good content on there. And all of the characters are very, very well drawn out. They're not stereotypical, cartoony type that you see. They're, it's not Sex in the City. I heard it. <laughs> I heard it described as a show by women for women that just doesn't care that it's not about men, which is how Sex in the City used to be described. So I would say that there's a. It, it sounds like it's trying to pick up that torch, but not be awful, which I support yeah. because. Because I love the premise of Sex in the City, but by God, did that show not age well? Oh my goodness! <laughs> anyway, that, we're that, way that's, off that's topic. Yeah, no. Coming back to it, though, we weren't really off topic. We were just that's talking true. about age. Yes. Uh, contextually, though, um, for us, I think Sanders kind of hit the sweet spot that we'd been really kind of not realizing we'd missed for a while until it came along. Not realizing that we needed it. You know, right. <laughs> and you know, there's two main components of Sanders, and I think I, you really love Maggie Sawyer. I do. I do. I mean, yeah, you've I told me before. I will pry Maggie Sawyer out of your cold, dead hands. Yes. Um, I don't know that I am that emphatically devoted to her. I, I think sh- I'm a little bit more on Alex's side. <laughs> I was going to say, I should clarify, when I say Maggie Sawyer, I specifically mean the DC TV version of Maggie Sawyer, because I don't yes. know that much about the comic version. A uh, comic since... version is very, very, very different, and that's exactly. an entirely different podcast. Yeah, so I feel the need to, to specify that. We'll, we'll At some point, we need to do the Kate Kane episode, and we'll just let Kylie talk for an hour and a half. You know Griffin's going to murder us for doing oh, that episode. Oh, no, you're right. Oh, we can't exclude him. Okay. Well, yeah. The fundamentalist is To be determined we'll... at a later date. <laughs> we'll have a grand old time. It's okay. Yes. But for this, though, in Sanvers, we're very specific uh, focus on Alex Danvers from Supergirl and Maggie Sawyer from Supergirl. Yes. And I'd like to go ahead and start with Alex. Yeah. And I think you actually put on your outline here, you called her Commander Shepard and a baby gay disaster. Yes. That's what she is. Well, I mean, it's, she is. It's I Commander like, Shepard, baby gay disaster. 
I really, I mean, she is, she, she is, if there were going to be somebody to play a live action commander Shepard after watching Kyler Lee. Yeah. Play Alex. I would have to say, I I can't accept anybody else except for Kyler Lee as commander Shepard. I know. Right. I know Colby Smolders got thrown, that name got thrown around a lot in the mass effect fandom a number of years. I, you know, honestly, right after the Avengers came out, it made more sense. Because I know three hadn't come out yet. <laughs> Kyler, I just I can't see anybody else but her doing that. Yeah, but so, you're right. The, the whole baby gay disaster bit is it's not so much like oh she's a young gay. It's just she came out as queer later in life as a lesbian. Yeah, but there's there's and, certain patterns that baby gays go through regardless of when they come out. It's right. just they present slightly differently depending on how old you are. And I really appreciated that, you know, she was an example of an older woman, you know, coming to terms or or realizing her sexuality when she was older. You know, I've said before, not everybody is born right out of the womb with a big glitter bomb and flannel waving a flag. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody, it's, it's different for everybody. Some people know from a very, very young age, some people figure it out later. And then there's environmental factors, you know, where you grow up and if it's safe to be out or, there's you know, clearly an element of denial on Alex's behalf. Right. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff I think that tied into her. I think she had an idea, like a very clear idea that this was a possibility. I think with everything else going on in her life, maybe she didn't really want to deal with it at the time. It's clear before the point at which she washed out of medical school that Alex has never had, like, five minutes to herself since probably, like, her sophomore year in high school because of how how accomplished she is and how smart she is. Like, you know, she was one of those, like, ten academic, or, you know, like, on our college application, she had, like, 15 extracurriculars. So my assumption is, is that a lot of her... Her dr- see, I, I love how like subtly this is written, how nicely it's written is that they took the fact that she is so driven and she had that huge meltdown before John found her. And then mm-hmm. if you put these two together, you're like, oh, I bet you these two things had something to do with each other, that she pushed herself so hard. And part of it was she was trying to ignore feelings about Kara. And then there was also this thing that she had repressed it so much, had completely forgotten about it. Until Maggie. Until we're Maggie. We'll that in a minute. Um, I, I know, like we talked about, she was kind of coded as queer or, you know, if you're a queer woman, you could read her as coded as queer in the first season. Oh yes. And I'm really happy that they followed up on it. I'm glad that they waited until season two to give her that justice of coming to terms with it. Cause season one was just, there's too much going on. There was too much going on in season two, to be completely honest. But yeah, but at least a lot of that going on was devoted to Alex. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I actually looked it up. I looked up like the final times for the season. So um, so Kara has twice the screen time as the next character, and the next character is Alex. Right, I mean, she's the second lead. Yeah, so technically, like, Alex is on screen as much as Kara, and then Kara also has her time as Supergirl, so, and then the next, the next one is Monel, of course, because he's usually on screen with Kara. So, my thing, though, is, like, she's not just a supporting character, she is, no, and I she's know you the have second protagonist. She, yeah, 
she's the second protagonist. So it's not just a, oh, she's this kind of side character. It reminds me like Cat in The Bold Type. It's an ensemble show, but she's one of the leads. So yeah. it's not just, oh, it's this little special thing that we're going to focus on and we're going to punch her off into the background and bring it back for special episodes. Yes. And I hate, I hate that. I hate when, I hate when my queerness is treated like a character d- description or like it's treated mm-hmm. like a, like, like a Dungeons and Dragons character trait or a video game character trait. Like, it's like, you know, when we were kids and how like air quotes, the girl was a character designation. Like you'd have a guy, like you'd have the leader and the guy who was good with computers. And then the girl, she had no actual skill, just was labeled the girl. But like queer characters are often treated like that where they're just the gay. Mm -hmm. And since Alex is the second protagonist of the show, like, and I get like, even though the hundred is kind of a disaster, I get the same feelings from Clark. um, That because she just happens to be a a protagonist. But the the fact that they're a protagonist is a walking human disaster. (laughs) Okay. But the point is, is that because they are the protagonist, these characters are very important to me because I never get to be the hero. Alex makes me Mm -hmm. feel like, like I, I haven't felt what, at the end of Mass Effect 2, when Commander Shepard is running out of the base, at the end of that, that whole ending cutscene, I haven't felt what I felt watching that in, like, since until the season of Supergirl and the episode Exodus. I was going to say, man, you were freaking oh my god, your shit in that episode. Because yeah, I, I remember was... like, oh my god, she's got her own theme music. Oh my god, she gets the renegade moment. Oh, she's getting a Captain Shepard moment or Commander Shepard moment. Like, you were <laughs> just losing your damn mind. Yeah, because why wouldn't I? Because there's a female action hero on my TV screen. Two! Two different kinds of female action heroes. Three, if you include Maggie. I just kept getting, oh my god, oh my god, from you. Like, oh yeah, yeah, the live, the, started, the live text. You started excited, and then you were just like flat out nuclear by the time the episode was over. Because she's like running down the. It's the same thing in like the pilot when she's running through that warehouse. Which, by the way, I love it when when they do that. Like in. Because video games, the cameras aren't real, but when they do it in TV shows, for some reason, I'm always, like, really more impressed by it than I should be. When you have a camera following someone through a warehouse, that's really cluttered. I love those, like, because it's like the Jason Bourne action sequence, and you don't see women in those action sequences very often. Which right. is one of the reasons why I like the DC TV universe so much, especially with Alex and Sarah Lance, because they're those kinds of heroes. Right. They're, they're mostly they're human. Like Supergirl's physical, but she can't be too physical because otherwise she'd just literally paste. Yeah, she'd just kill people left and right. But Alex and Sarah, I mean, they can get down and dirty and. God. Alex actually said the words, you look like you've got a pretty mouth, and then proceeded to start beating a prisoner with a wrench. Like, you never. If you told told me a couple years ago that you would have a queer character like that, I wouldn't have believed you. Like, there's no fucking way that this would be on television. She's but too cool. Is. She's too cool. Okay, we, we've it. established how cool you think Alex is. I want to talk about the other part of the baby gay disaster. Mm. <laughs> I mean, she, her realizing she had feelings for Maggie like when she's like hey you want to go get a drink and Maggie's then girlfriend comes up and kisses her the look on Alex's <sighs> face oh my god if you if you remember I remember there's an episode of this that episode. was so I felt that on yeah. a subatomic level 
There's an episode of The Simpsons where Lisa rejects Ralph because Ralph has a crush on her. And so Bart has a video recording of it and he's frame by framing it. And he's like, look, Lisa, you can see if you frame by frame it, you can see the exact second his heart rips in two. And that's Alex's face when the woman walks up and you just see that like you could hear like the glass shatter sound effect in the background. Like, oh, you can hear that. And then you also just like maybe half a second later hear this kind of almost like tire break of, wait a minute, why am I upset? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like she got hit with a one two punch. God, her gay gay panic was so well done. I'm really upset. Why am I upset? Oh my God. You could just see the progression. Tyler Lee acted the hell out of it because I was just watching it and I was like even though you know I figured myself out in high school but I still had that moment Kyler and Lee. she played that so well that I cringed and had to look away because I just felt that so viscerally she she convinced me and that's really the best compliment I can give because by god straight actresses playing gay does not work out very often but like that you part, have to go hard or go home. You, that you com- can't like half foot in. You can't half the gay. You have to go yeah. full gay. Her just like her giggling about Maggie or like her talking about Maggie before, like when she's talking about Maggie to win, she's like, you know, Maggie's such an awful pool player. Like I tried to let her win and she still couldn't do it. And at that and but like the way that Kyler smiles when she's like it, I feel like I don't have to do so much projection work with this character. Because well, the even, way that she talks about Maggie is just so, like, she's so clearly enamored, and it's clear, but she's also good at playing it as if Alex is very clearly not aware of why she is enamored with Maggie. She just thinks yeah. she's cool. And the show narrative, though, like, how that scene was set up really supported it, because Wynn is obviously clicking on to something, like, she a friend, or is she? Yeah, he's like, no. he's like, he's like, it's not like you like her or something. He's like, well, yeah, I liked Car. It's not like you like this girl. And then you, you, I love that you see Alex just folds her arms, and then like, and then the next, the next time you see Alex is when she's standing in Car's hallway, like going to town on that box of donuts, mm-hmm. like <laughs> stress eating. Like those, <laughs> the the dam is starting to crack, and yeah. she, it's just all starting to come out. I love how Kara's like, you don't usually eat sugar before noon. What's up? I mean, and Kara had her own shit going on that episode. So yeah. they had to wait to have that big conversation. But speaking of that big conversation, I thought it was handled very well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for I mean, Kara, I love her. And I understand why. There's a lot that's gone on in her life. And sometimes she doesn't always pick up on other things. And she was admittedly blindsided by Alex being like, oh, I think I'm gay. Because mm-hmm. she just, it, 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 I like that the show framed it as she wasn't necessarily upset about Alex being gay, but upset that she had no clue. Upset is more, yeah. I think she was more upset with herself. Mm-hmm. Like and how- she even apologizes. Exactly. Like just the way that the the way that the apology is crafted is very well done because it's very it's very therapisty. However, it still feels like something that Kara would believably say. It's really hard to write dialogue this good. Mm-hmm. Like I want to stress that. The way that Alex's coming out, out arc was handled on Supergirl, I cannot think of another show that did it better. With while making keeping it authentic and keeping it all positive but also making sure that it didn't feel contrived or like we were being talked down to as an audience. Well, I think that works for Kara because 
when she's not when it's not about her, she can be very insightful and kind of very wise beyond her time. Mm-hmm. And very, you need to go do this and this and this. And I mean, when it comes to herself, she's a complete disaster. She's she's the person who can't listen to her own advice. Right. But she gives very, very good advice. I mean, she does. you saw on the Valentine's Day episode, she listened to when Alex is waxing poetic about everything she wants to do for Valentine's mm, Day. And I love that scene. All this stuff she wants to do. Because it's her first Valentine's Day where she can truly, really be with herself and somebody she really loves. And Kara just gets this fire hose blast of Alex. Which, I mean, for Alex, that is a fire hose blast of, oh, Maggie is blah, blah, blah. And she just takes that in and she's supportive. And then when stuff kind of goes to shit, she goes to Maggie and she's not mean about it. She, it's like she understands where Maggie's coming from as well and she just gives her a different perspective. There's okay, so actually I'm going to I'm going to say this now so I don't forget it before we get to this section. Um, okay. the thing that I like about the way that Alex talks about Maggie is that Alex always talks about the things that Maggie is, not the things that Maggie does for her. That's yes. a very, very important distinction, because a lot of a lot of unhealthy re- relationships are based around loving somebody because of what they do for you. But with Alex and Maggie, it is entirely about who they are as people. Well, and I think, and you had a point, um, why it was so important that Maggie turned her down at first. Yes, and I think part of that was she was still fixating on like Maggie's this first. She's this brand new exploration this whole new world she does so much for me as opposed to being a little bit more settled and seeing maggie beyond the oh my god you made me queer you know it's a lot of pressure it is it is so much pressure that's not i totally understand why maggie turned her down at first because that is a lot of pressure and you're never gonna know if she likes you for you or because you're the first woman that she had that epiphany about also like and this isn't this is kind of interesting because i noticed this when rewatching the season and i didn't catch it the first time because i was so upset by what was actually happening on screen is the way that maggie turns down alex is very specific that she essentially mm-hmm. she doesn't say no she says not right now which is like you know it was i I missed it the first time through because, and then later on when Alex finally snaps at her and Maggie's like, no, that's not what I meant. And then she starts to try to explain, but then stops because she can clearly see that Alex is too angry to be listening right now. Right. Alex was also in that first rejection stage, which is a bitch. Uh, yeah. And it's good. She got that out of her system too. And was able to come back around to, okay, you know what? I really care about you as a friend and I'd like to keep that. And I was really glad that they didn't pull the trigger on that relationship. Well, that was a terrible pun to use. Um, I was really <laughs> glad that they didn't. Um, well, now I can't say jump the gun. That's terrible. Too. You know what I mean? Just forgive me the puns that they, they have relationship until Alex had worked her way back around like she was obviously there were still feelings there but she was able to be like I appreciate you as a friend I want to keep you as a friend yeah or just it's 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 like one of those like let's just see how this goes sort of conversations Mm -hmm. 
Which, like, I'll admit, if I were younger, that conversation would... I would not react as well to it as I did now, you know? Like... See, this is why it's important to have different age demographics, is that... They're both older, and yes, Alex still had a little snit fit about it, which is fine. It happens, but I think she got over hers a lot more quickly than somebody who would have been younger. Yes, but also that she was trying to be professional. (laughs) Right. It's also that... uh, It's an age thing. It's because you do need to have drama in a TV show or it's not interesting to watch that this also coincided with James getting framed for murders. So that's what actually sparked the fight. It wasn't even necessarily that they... It, like, it's their, um, their romance is integrated into the story arc. It is, which I think is great. My problem with that entire arc, though, is James as the Guardian, but that's an entirely different... That's another podcast. We're not going to talk yeah, about that Yeah, that's a different right podcast on characters that could fit better in different worlds. Um, yeah. yeah, so we're going to talk I, about Maggie now. We're okay, are you minutes. telling me we're running out of time? We're almost at 30 minutes. Wow. I know, right? I told you, I really like Alex. I know, I know. We both really love the show. Okay, fine. We can talk okay. about your favorite. Okay, all right. So, uh, yeah, damaged goods always wear leather. Very true. Well, go on. This is your baby. I'm not going to step in on this. I know. I feel put on the spot. Okay. So um, my favorite thing about Maggie is how well her her damage is written and how well it's portrayed. Um, You want to clarify what you mean by damage, though? Okay. When I say damage, I mean, it's not a negative term, but there is damage. It's one, the baggage she's carrying around from getting kicked out of her house when she was 15. 15? That's really young. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, her, because of this, she probably has a lot of trust and abandonment issues, which often will result in you acting out in a way that lets you recreate it. Hmm. Trying to think of how to phrase this. When you go through a trauma as a child, you will often seek to subconsciously recreate that trauma over and over again, unless you are aware that this is a mechanism that happens to people who have experienced trauma and you are able to stop it because you recognize the pattern. So the reason why Maggie is a cheater is because she has abandonment issues. Mm -hmm. Now, the way that they chose to deal with this in the show, instead of having Maggie cheat on Alex, was to have an ex come around who was cheated on and then have them talk it out like adults. And I am so, so, so grateful to this show for taking this route instead of the other one because I am so goddamn sick of infidelity storylines. I I appreciated when we talk about how they resolve issues that they have. Um, I think this was really the first time we saw because up until now, a lot of this was... Maggie dealing with some of Alex's stuff. Mm -hmm. And we got a glimpse into Maggie during the Valentine's Day episode, but she still came around. Uh, This was really the first one where we really got to see how what had happened to her that we found out in the Valentine's Day episode has affected her in other aspects of her life. Mm -hmm. And it's really the first time we get to see Alex you know, kind of squaring up and being like, okay, we need to talk about this. 
I almost wasn't expecting it from Alex. I have to be honest. She can be very mature when the time is called on. I know, but because I identify so much with Maggie and because I have so many self-esteem issues and like, I just assume the worst of people. And I assume that even if I do have a legitimate reason for being the way that I am, I just assume that people are not going to listen to that reason, you know? I project mm-hmm. a lot on Maggie, so I was expecting Alex... I was expecting there to be a fight. I was not expecting it to resolve itself in one episode. Oh, you know before Alex came over to Maggie's apartment, she got it out of her system first. Oh, yeah, I know. That's why, like, when she had the alcohol on the counter, I was like, I really hope that that means that Alex, like, had a few rough drafts of whatever it is she's going to say before she's going to say it. But I... And again, though, like I said, this is what I appreciate with seeing an older relationship where you're at that stage in your life where you're kind of mature enough to be like, okay, screaming and breaking up and all of this isn't really conducive towards this relationship. I really care about this person. So I want to have an open chain of communication with them and try to work through this. Also remember that, the issue wasn't that Maggie cheated. The issue was that Maggie lied. Right. For Alex, though, she had the issue of lying and then fighting out about Maggie's past relationships. That's true, and but I, I like thought... that she didn't use it against her. She only she focused on the she only focused on the I don't want you to feel like you need to lie to me because that hurts my feelings. Instead right. of being like, I can't believe you lied about this terrible thing you did. Because it and happened I before love, they were together. And I love what she did. You know, this is Alex again, baby gay disaster. But we also get to see, like, this is why she was such a good big sister to Kara. Mm-hmm. Because when she is, you know, in that, you know, I am an adult mode, she is very good about processing. Alex has a much better control over her temper than Kara does, which is really actually hilarious when you think about it. Because, like, Alex's, like, calm mad is kind of still, she's still in control of herself. And then you remember when Kara found out that James was the guardian and she walked into that armory, the the temperature in the room, and in my room even, dropped by, like, 20 degrees. Well, I mean, even Alex was the first person at the door. Yeah, Alex, Alex, like, pieced out of there within the first couple of seconds. My point is, I really like how Alex did a lot of that emotional lifting in that conversation before she got there and she processed it and figured out what the root of this is with Maggie. Yeah. And I think with what I really liked about that, because when she was saying this, you could, you know, I I thought Floriana Lima did a Lima. Is it Lima or Lima? Lima. Floriana Lima did a really good job in this scene as well, because you could see it playing out on her face because she was expecting to get screamed at and dumped. She was, yeah, like, Maggie was so terrible, and, like, towards the end, her voice is cracking, and she's got, like, tears in her eyes, because she was fully expecting that this was it. And, and I mean, you can tell, she does not know how to deal with, Alex, I'm an adult, let's handle this like adults and help each other out, Danvers. Yes. Because, like you said, she was expect she was not expecting anybody to take into consideration her past or anything else, or even want to try to work through it with her. And you can see that on her face when Alex comes in. Yeah, and even with um, what the the way that the fight played out with uh, in Valentine's Day, when Maggie, when initially the fight starts, and Maggie almost walks out the door immediately, and Alex is like, "Ah, uh, no, 
close the door, come back here. We are going to have a conversation about this because we are adults. And she actually says, we are adults. We're going to talk about this. And the look mm-hmm. on Maggie's face was like of utter shock and surprise. And I, and the other thing is, like, I feel that, oh man, I felt that. In my I don't bones. know that she's necessarily dated many other women that would have wanted to talk it out. Yeah. I mean, you talk about perpetuating, what'd you say? Cycles? Cycles. Yes. Yeah, perpetuating a cycle. And maybe that last girlfriend Alex met, maybe Maggie cheated on her because it was getting too serious and Maggie wasn't. They were together for years. It was like three or five years, which is like like Maggie's Maggie's like, what, 28 to 30. So that's that's a significant relationship. You know, Maggie self-sabotaged it. Yes. And I think. In Alex, she has a partner that is not going to let her, at least unconsciously, self-sabotage without calling it out. Alex is not going to be emotionally distant enough to allow Maggie to get into her own head. Correct. Just because Alex loves to talk about everything. <clears throat> not like I at gave a lot Maggie. of not like I gave a lot of thought to this or anything. Well, but again, I like that they complement each other. Like when Alex is having a rough time, Maggie's strengths complement what Alex is having a weakness in. And it's the same thing. Maggie doesn't necessarily communicate and talk. (laughs) Alex does. She, She can word vomit, but she likes to talk things out. It's very clear to me that Alex's greatest fear is being left alone on the battlefield. Mm hmm. And that's why I like with her and Maggie, like, because the, the reason why I say this is because when Maggie says ride or die, the look on Alex's face is utter surprise. It was and utter I, surprise and then just raw delight. Yes. Because there wasn't even a question about it. And I, like, I understand why Kara couldn't go along with it, but Maggie was just like, all right, ride or die. And you just see Alex's face of like, Shock and then the hard eyes start. Ah, that is so me though. On both We're sides. About Maggie. We're I know. About- I know, but like, you know, when you have a character who reminds you so much of yourself, like you get attached. That's just what happens. I can't really relate to that, but I will <laughs> take your word on it. <laughs> well, okay, so I got lucky with Maggie. But yeah, you know, it's it's a healthy relationship. I love this character. Um, because I love I, this character, I'm vaguely terrified about what's going to happen next season. Okay, my, my, here's my thing. And I've said this before, I don't know necessarily to you. Jeremiah hears it all the damn time. And I got it from my dad is don't go borrowing trouble. We don't know what's going to happen yet. Uh-huh. I only have so many spoons that I can waste my energy on. And if I'm going to be angry, I'm going to be angry when they give me a reason. Okay. But I don't have enough things that keep me up late at night worrying. So I have to add this to the list. Okay. (laughs) That's on your own damn head. I know my, my thoughts on this are, I'm not going to worry about what may or may not happen in season three beyond what we know right now. Mm Mm-hmm. I also, they they flat out said, like, Baldface said, we are not going to kill off the character. 
Now, of course, right. they could be lying, and if they are, holy shit, guys. But I, <laughs> I don't think they are. Call me optimistic, maybe naive. I don't think they're that stupid after what happened with the show that shall not be named. Yeah, because the show that shall be not be named was generally... Well, I, I feel like they heavily implied that they wouldn't do it, but I can't remember if they actually flat out said that they wouldn't do it. But They like, just said, you're really going to like what we do but, with this. But with Supergirl, Berlanti was basically just like, yeah, we're not going to kill her. <laughs> like, that was it. Right. Although, because they're being evasive, I assume... Okay, so let's just let's just go down what we know so far. So okay. we know that Fa- Maggie's father has been cast. He's going to be played by Carlos Bernard, who was on Twenty Four. Um, we know the character's name is Oscar Rodas, and that means that Maggie either has her mother's last name or Maggie changed her last name at some point after being kicked out. Which is an interesting detail that that intrigues me actually. It does. I've seen some of the uh, behind the scenes ninja photos that people have managed to take when they see um, Lima and Rodas on set. And they're obviously having conversations between those two characters. And we know that this arc is going to span more than one episode. Yeah, we know that. Um... So they are obviously giving a fairly substantial amount of time. Yes. And then also, because I noticed this detail, and I wouldn't shut up about it for, like, probably three or four days straight. Um, sorry, Corey. Is that in the, the San Diego Comic-Con trailer, Maggie and Alex oh my are both God. wearing... But both Maggie and Alex are wearing engagement rings. Shut up! It's awesome! Like I know it's awesome! It stopped being awesome, like, the 473rd time you told me. Shh. I am a romantic... I know it's. I'm happy that they're wearing wedding wedding rings. We, it we is don't so know rare. It's so rare to see two women wearing engagement rings on TV. Like mm, yes, like at deal. least up until this point, we know she. They obviously said yes for something. At least I hope that's what the rings are because, and then that feeds into there's two episode titles that intrigue me: Midvale and Two Rings. Midvale is the town slash middle school slash I presume high school that no one had to have been high school because they were like Alice was like fourteen or fifteen. Anyway, that's the name of the schools that Kara and Alex went to when they were younger. So that means that for some reason they're going to be back in Alex's hometown. And this something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Hey, remember that little anecdote Alex had about that friend that she had? Yeah. I hope that that is not what is going to be the issue. Unless it's just simply Alex making peace with it. Maybe either that or she, they're, they could just be going back to Midville because that's where they want to get married. That's not in National City and a little bit quieter. I didn't even think of that, but you're actually right. Yeah, I'm more along the lines <laughs> of just being pragmatic and practical about this, of which has a better chance of being interrupted by an alien if I'm in National City or if I'm in very quiet Midville. <laughs> that's actually a good point. Like, it's my wedding day, damn it. I deserve a fucking day off without a global fucking crisis. God, especially Maggie and Alex. Like, <laughs> no, and they'd they'd have to like probably be somewhat secretive about this because Supergirl is going to be at this freaking wedding, not as mm-hmm. Supergirl obviously as Kara, but like she's going to be there, which means this is going to be a target. Yeah. Also, like half the DEO will be attending. They probably I'm just, just have to get saying, married in the me, DEO. It would make more sense if we go to some place that's out of the way. 
and has a far mm. less likelihood of something going wrong. The Fortress Not of that, Solitude. Not that, you know, something won't go wrong, but... That ended up at the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, but then everybody would freeze. No. It's just, yes. you know... Hey, it'll be the Who one time... to get married in a parka? You know what? Like, I'm sure you could work something out. <laughs> Alex has no emotional attachment to the Fortress of Solitude. Yes, but nobody would bother them, and I feel like that would definitely appeal to Alex. I know, but we also know that they're both romantics. Are they? Maggie... Okay, Maggie is a closet romantic. Maggie clearly likes all this crap, but would never admit it out loud. I know. They're still both romantics, and I don't think everybody <laughs> is as practical as going so far as to the Antarctic and freezing and not getting to wear a dress or do any of the typical wedding activity. I feel like this would matter more to Alex than it would to Maggie. I think it matters more to you than it matters to any of them. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Now, the big point of contention, though, like, I know a lot of people are anxious about it, is Floriana Lima has been signed as a recurring character this season, um, and not a regular. It also means that we'll possibly lose her for season four. Potentially. And, Potentially. They, I mean, they have said they would love to keep working with her. So, we're j- it literally is going to be a wait and see. Yeah. Um, if we're looking at season two, Katie McGrath was a reoccurring char- she had character. She Pardon me. She had more screen time than some of the series regulars. Right. I think so she was, because, I think she was like fifth overall. Yeah. Just because she's a recurring doesn't mean we're never going to see her. It just means that we're going to see her as they can fit her in with whatever other projects she's doing. Yes. And also I was like, I have a theory about what they're going to do if they have to kind of cut the number of episodes that Maggie is in. What's probably going to happen is they're going to have a setup where Maggie goes to track down her father, actually finds him, and then there's going to be something that happens in which she has to go back to Gotham or stay in Gotham with him for a while. And then that Assuming will... they have that she that they're from Gotham. I thought it was implied that Maggie was from Gotham. I don't know. I don't know how where closely they're the... keeping to that camp. Yeah, that's what I was like. I was like, some of you in the comics is from Gotham. Yeah, that's how I'm like. Am I just assuming it because it's from the comics and because the show? Well, because Gotham is occasionally name dropped in the show. But anyway, my my point is is that something will happen with Maggie's father. Either either he'll be inv- he'll be involved in something sketchy and she has to find a way to bail him out of the situation, or he has some case that he needs to solve and the two of them will work on it together. And that'll be a way to get her off screen for a while without having to like. You know, do something terrible to her. Please don't. Right. But that's but a way, for, mean, her, that's a way for her to be gone for half the season. And then when she comes season. back, they can do the wedding. Right. There's going to be a lot going on this season, though. I mean, obviously, we've got um, rain coming in, which, I mean, as excited as you were for Exodus, that was probably as excited as I was when I saw rain. Yeah. I mean, yeah. at the end of the finale, I think I actually screamed at you. Yeah, I was like, this is kind of cool. And she's like, Woof. like, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool and ominous. Do you know what that is? And she's just like single word. Yes, period. And then a humongous paragraph of explanation and fangirling. <laughs> okay, no, seriously. <laughs> the night of when they said it will rain, I said, this is rain. They're bringing in the world killer. 
I called it that night, and I have been excited for it ever since because she is Supergirl-specific, which means there's a lot that can be played off between her and Lena and Alex. Yep. And yep. I'm going to rest my case on that because we're going to run out of time if I keep talking. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, it's exciting. It's also exciting to have a big bad who is just a woman. And she's going to be around all season. Yeah. Which That's I think thing. is going to help so much with the pacing. Yeah, I think Supergirl season two had that problem that a lot of TV shows have now where it's written in two distinct arcs because they mm-hmm. have that humongous break. I wish they would stop doing this. It doesn't make sense for them to do it this way. Like, I mean, it's of- Hatcher, I loved her, but I, I thought she was phenomenal. She should have been layered in sooner. Yeah, I would have loved to have her for like a full quarter of a season or well, it was a quarter, but like a whole half season arc. I would love to have her as a big bad. Mm. But I think we're going to have and I I they've said indicated that Rain is going to be, you know, she's not going to be Terry Hatcher evil. She's going to be very humanized and you're probably going to sympathize with her a lot. I I sensed this. I it was very clear to me that this was going to be the case. That, yes. And especially like early on that they're doing like you can see how much they're using her in filming early on. Like, she's already been seen on set with uh, Mahad Brooks and Katie McGrath filming a scene. Mm -hmm. Which, actually, side note, like, I don't think James and Lena have ever really been in a scene before. But, like, there's a couple... Uh... I I just thought it was funny because there were a couple of pictures of them floating around on Tumblr. And, like, someone had commented on it, like, the ship has already sailed. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll just... Point being, there's a lot, I think, to be excited for in season three, and I'm not going to go borrowing trouble unless the trouble actually comes up to my door, in which case, if they fuck it up, I will be one of the first people angry writing a recap with Elizabeth about it. I'm like, oh my god, what the fuck were you thinking? I trusted you. I was rooting for you. For season three in general? Yeah, if they they drop, like, with the Sambers or with Rain or with anything, like, I'm going to assume that it's more or less going to go okay until something bad happens. See, that's the thing is that, I don't know, we are, well, that's the thing is that you and I already enjoyed the show. And so if they maintain the status quo that you and I will still like it. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, not, like, ultimately no TV show is going to make everybody happy. No, but again, like, we did just talk about, I think what... We know so far, especially with rain being introduced so early on, is we're probably going to have some better pacing because there were pacing issues in season two. Yes. All over the place. Yeah, season two is really, really wobbly on the pacing. So I am very hopeful that they have kind of rectified the pacing issue from season two and we're going to be far more steady as far as an entire arc goes for season three. Yes. And I mean, that goes with Rain and Kara and Lena and Kara and James and whatever's going on with him and Wynn. And then, you know, with my baby Alex and whatever happens <laughs> with her and then with Maggie, just with everybody. I think it. I'm hoping it's going to be a little bit more steady as far as the pacing goes and not quite so... Well, what are we doing today? I don't know. I'm going to swing out a giant frozen halibut, and whatever I hit first is what we're going to focus on. Because sometimes it felt really random sometimes. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say that that's actually a pretty accurate critique of the previous season. 
So it was I mean, mostly coherent. It's just there are a couple of episodes that were definitely filler. Well, they were filler, and I get why some of the earlier ones were just because they had that crossover, and Supergirl was not allocated any extra time. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. you had Melissa Benoist and David Harewood and um, what's his face who plays Monel? Chris Woods. Chris Woods. Chris Woods. You know they were all having to do double duty in the second half of the season, and Melissa was having to do it in the first half of the season. So I know like some of it could be attributed to that when you've got all that show hopping going on. Yeah, that's a part of it. I think filming schedules are kind of a bitch. It's also that, like, the problem with doing writing something as good as Alex's coming out arc is that now this is the bar that the show has set. Mm-hmm. And that's a really high bar to match. It, to, right. to match writing a good coming out story. Like, of course, everything else is going to flounder a bit next to that. Because it was just so well done. True. Like and it's the same thing with like like Lena Luther. Lena Luther's character arc in the show, regardless of whether or not you sh- you're you're part of the Supercore ship, she is still one of the best characters of the show. One of the most memorable female characters of recent. I mean, really recent memory. To be honest, she's one of my favorite characters in probably about the past decade. I just hope they they <clears throat> they're still teasing. This is what one of the things that would upset me because they still try to tease the oh will she won't she will she won't she and. Katie Gra- Katie McGrath is playing into it now. I'm like, can we just have a good Luther? I concur. I just concur. Knock it off, please. I prefer them as two sides of the same coin. And the, I mean, I've talked to you a lot about I would love it if they had that kind of relationship where they could look each other in the eye and say, I trust you to put me down if I ever go dark. Exactly. That's the only person who I would trust to actually go through with it with Kara, to be completely honest. I don't think Alex could do it. I don't think she could either. But I think that level, I would love to see that kind of friendship with Lena and Kara, at least, of I trust you to actually go through with this over anybody else if the worst case scenario ever happens. Yes, and also like, and I, like I remember talking about this with Gretchen. Like even way back in the first the first season recaps, that one of the things I like about Supergirl the most is that it seems to go almost bullheadedly and stubbornly out of its way to subvert your expectations. Right. So just like keep subverting them, and you know, just stop with the oh, will she go dark this season? I don't want her to go dark. Exactly. Like in Can any we other, please move on. There are other villains here. Yeah, and then, like, in any other show, Alex's dad would be dead, or he would have been Cyborg Superman. The reason why they didn't do that is because it isn't consistent with the tone of Supergirl. Right. I mean, to be fair, I do think they really need to resolve her dad. Yeah, that's a That was a big dangling plot thread from season two. Yeah, but, like, yeah. They didn't have time, though. I I get that, but... It needs to be resolved at some point so Alex can get that closure and they can just move on. Yes. Yes. Because really, like, and I'm kind of not going through this personally, but a lot of my friends are reaching, like, they're approaching the big 3-0 and so everybody has to go get all get all their baggage in order. It's like this thing that happens when That's you're a 20. 
Well, you don't have that's to, but like, I'm it's telling a- you from the other side, it doesn't actually happen. No, it you doesn't actually happen. The effort. Yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't necessarily actually happen, but you know, like getting all of your ducks in a line is something before you get married is something that definitely does happen. Like, I right. I don't know. Like, I feel like I feel like they wrote the ending to season two, and I'm kind of mad at them for doing doing it the way that they did because I feel like they didn't give a thought to what are we gonna do if we can't close this arc. Mm-hmm. Like they they could like clearly they they still have her on cast so it's not like they they've lost Maggie altogether but like I'm anxious for this season but in both senses of that word that I'm nervous but also excited. That's fair. I mean I think that's fair. Um, you know I I have my approach that lets me sleep a whole lot easier at night. Um, <laughs> And like I said, you know, if they egregiously fuck it up, I will be pinning a very angry recap and we'll probably have continued articles on the site. Yeah. Because, you know, we're we're definitely not soft-spoken when it comes to things that piss us off. No. <laughs> um, no, we just came off of Season 7 Game of Thrones. There's a lot of it. So much. <laughs> yeah. You've probably already seen this if you're listening to this show. But if not, and you hated the season seven, we have so much of it. So, so much of it. We have wonderful, talented people who are so goddamn funny. Yes. Ripping this show to shreds. Please enjoy their work. They do absolutely wonderful work. They're doing the Lord's work by ripping this abysmal show to shreds. Yes. Just go into our (laughs) little search bar, type in Game of Thrones. All that goodness will come up for you. Yes. All right. We actually came in under time this time. I'm impressed. Yay! Time management skills! Yay! The power of a good outline. Okay, thank you thank you so much, you guys, for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it when you come and listen to us ramble for an hour about whatever we damn well please. Uh, please don't forget that we have an awesome store. We do have a Maggie Sawyer Ride or Die t-shirt. Mm, we do. Yes. And we also have uh, another also one. also comes in hoodie form. It does, yes. The hoodie the hoodie is very nice. I could personally attest to that. Also, um, as always, please, you know, like, review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you guys in our comments. Um, we've been hearing from more of you. We love engaging with you guys. Elizabeth is a little bit better at that, but I finally got my <laughs> uh, a Discus account set up to where I can comment now. So I'm looking forward to uh, jumping into that fray. Yes, we like comments. Comments always, it's just like fan fiction. Comments encourage us to keep working because we know that somebody likes our work. Or you're at least listening to our work for the whole hour. Yes. <laughs> All right, so that's it for us this week. Uh, next week, we are probably, definitely, going to talk about Wyonona Earp. And by next week, she means next episode. Next episode, yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're going to. Yeah, next time we are doing Winona Earp, and we know that plenty of you are very excited about that. So stay tuned, and we will be doing that next time. Awesome. All right, right. I'm Elizabeth, and... Oh, is that me? I'm Corey! Yes, yes, we're so (laughs) professional. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.